Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the Keeper of the Peace, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross and Randy Jowers. And boys, tonight is a big one. It's episode eight titled Cali Grown, Memphis Made, because tonight we're going to be talking to the starting quarterback at the University of Memphis, Brady White. But before Brady joins us, my guys, fill me in on the weekend that was. Jim, what's up? Well, man, as you can see behind me, I had to redo the, the wall for the podcast in the man cave. So we got some new jerseys hanging. And that was some tedious hard work, but nevertheless, got it knocked out. Daughter had a soccer game as usual. She played goalie one half, held a shutout. Then she had a hat trick in the second, so proud dad moment. Had to watch LSU get smoked by Alabama. But the Saints bring it around on Sunday, and so pretty solid weekend for me. Very nice. Randy. DB, I'm going to tell you what I did, man. I took the kids out last night. We went looking at Christmas lights, and, and I could not help but think, would DB beat them in a Christmas lighting contest? And the answer, overwhelmingly, was no. No, no. Those guys, they paled in comparison. DB killed it, including the Wiener Dogs. That's what set it off. So It's funny you mentioned that. My weekend was full of the same. We went out and we scoped out the competition. And let me tell you, the 90% of the houses I was not impressed with. But the 10% that I was impressed with, I was really impressed with. So They had Dobermans? Bro, they had a manger. And in the manger, they live had animals. live goats. Oh. Live goats. Let me ask you, though, DB, did you see a real baby Jesus? That's where I'm drawing it. If, if I saw a real baby Jesus, I don't know what I'd do. I think I would just stop and stare and <laughs> – Drops you better bring knees. some gifts. <laughs> That's a fact. So, but yeah, other than that, man, very, very uneventful weekend. Just chilling with the family. We got another Disney trip coming up this weekend. So just trying to lay low and watch some, some sports on TV and just recover and relax and get ready for the next two solid weeks before we get a little break. Um, but that's enough of us. Let's jump in to the biggest interview and podcasting this week guys help me welcome on the davy o'brien finalist east west shrine bowl participant the winningest quarterback in memphis football history and the guy who's thrown the most touchdowns in memphis football history the quarterback at the university of memphis mr brady white brady my man how we doing tonight doing well appreciate you guys having me yeah man we are glad to have you on. And the way we always like to start this, man, you know, everybody's seeing you at Memphis, but we want to take it back to the beginning. Where are you from? So I'm born and raised in Santa Clarita, California. It's um, about an hour north of L.A. So I'm a Southern California kid. Um, and that's, uh, that's where I call home. So probably around this time of year, you're really missing that weather, huh? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, you definitely try to stay away from the weather app to, to see what you're missing. But, um, no, I, I love Memphis for everything it offers, and I, I appreciate this place more than anyone can know. Well, I got to ask you, being that I'm from Memphis, and I was actually stationed out in Southern California, and I tried to surf, and you're way more athletic than me. Did you surf? So I, I did not surf. Now, I have no doubt in my mind that I could surf if I tried, um, but I did not growing up. Spent plenty of time on a beach, but no surfboards. You, you were too good at all these other sports. You didn't want to dominate something else. I, I, I had, yeah, I had some more important business to tend to. All right, so let's get to that important business. What all sports did you play growing up? Um, so as a, you're talking about as a kid yeah before height yeah so I was always um football basketball baseball growing up um I mean I, I can remember taking like some karate classes and little things like that but every the, the sports that I was serious in was football basketball baseball I think I gave baseball up towards you know the end of elementary school um just you know it wasn't my I didn't love it. it was boring it was too slow um you know a lot of strikeouts a lot of <laughs> pig and grass so um I just stuck with football and basketball and played those throughout high school as uh someone who has a son in little league I understand the getting bored and picking grass part so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you um when did you start playing football yeah so I mean I, I started playing football had to have been five I think age five um it's probably when I started playing probably all of them man yeah so started at five I know that you got some siblings right yes sir two two younger siblings um sisters in the middle and a brother who's the youngest and uh if I understand it correctly your brother played football too he does yes he does and quarterback as well Yes, he is. We are a quarterback factory. <laughs> so I, I imagine y'all had some great backyard football games. Yeah, yeah. We we always enjoyed. Uh, we had all the little plastic helmets and our pads and all of the jerseys that you throw over and go play. You know, whoever has the ball tackle and um, three flags up and let dad you know throw the routes and so it was it was a fun time for sure. Sounds like awesome time. So was your dad a football player? Uh, my dad was a pretty good athlete. Um, I know when he got to a, you know, a certain age, I think he focused on, on one sport, and that was basketball. He was a point guard. Um, but I think he kind of growing up played it all and, and really enjoyed football. And, um, you know, we're fortunate, and I'm fortunate that I was never – nothing was ever forced upon me. It was kind of always – um, you know, they just wanted us kids to have every opportunity to do what we liked. And um, all of us kind of went gravitated towards the uh, the football field or basketball court and some type of sport. And uh, my dad's been my coach, you know, all the way up until varsity sports in high school. So he's played a big, uh, big part in that. That sounds good. What about mom? Was mom by chance an athlete? I think she played a little bit of softball. Um if I can remember correctly, N nothing on the collegiate level though, but um, yeah, she's got some athleticism to her. It's uh, I would probably say under, you know, under the radar, but um, 
yeah, we're a very athletic and, and sports oriented family. I've got tons of cousins and extended family that are um, athletes in other sports and um, competing at the collegiate level or have, are, you know, have in the past uh, competed. So um, we well, love competing. Well, I'm glad you said that because you opened that up to our favorite question. And I got to ask, so you say you got all these athletes in your family. Would you say you're the best athlete? Absolutely, hundred percent. He, he did not even let me finish the question. Yeah, I love it. Oh man! Well, Randy, go ahead. Go ahead and take over. I don't. I got. I got nothing left <laughs> after that. Oh, uh, so Brady, we're gonna moving on a little bit from little league to high school. For everybody that does not know, what high school did you attend? Went to Hart High School high school look man i gotta, gotta be honest with you man uh, you're a big name real real popular in a lot of circles but i was looking up hard high school man there is some notable alumni from hard high school look yes I mean, there are mark paul gosler zach say no say less fam it's over sting i mean what's going <laughs> on i mean tyler glass now there's a lot of uh notable alumni there the the most famous person from my high school is db i think i mean that's not saying much so Daniel, Daniel, did you know the glass now went there? No, no. I'm bringing, I'm bringing the facts to the show, Brady. I'm telling the, I'm, I'm letting the host know something. Good, good. And it goes on and on. There's also more, but I won't go into all that. Is it big school or a small school? So I think it was um, back in the day a little bit bigger, just because you know not as many schools in the area, more population for, and so I think as the area has kind of been built up and you're adding homes and um, getting more, you know, there's, it's, I think it's a little bit smaller now. Um, and so it's not, you know, it's not a small school, you know, I, I'm sure you guys have, have seen plenty of smaller schools. It, there's still, I think a couple thousand or 2,500, but um, it, it has been bigger, I think. Yeah, no doubt. So, who was you guys' biggest rival as far as Hart High School's biggest rival? I had another question to follow up about your biggest rival. Our biggest rival was um, Valencia. That's our crosstown rival. And um, that one is like the crosstown. And then Canyon High School was kind of the um, historic one. That was, I think, Hart and Canyon were two like the original schools in that league. And have always – so those were, like, our two biggest rivals as a school. So, reading back when you were coming through and through high school, there was so much – obvious, always so much talent in California. But did you ever feel a rivalry with those – with, like, Josh Rosen, Ricky Town, Blake Barnett? You were always compared to them, I know. No, I never had a, uh, any rivalries. Um, you know, I, first of all, I don't even think you can have a rivalry with another quarterback because how the hell can you do that when you're playing against the defense? So that doesn't, right. I, I've never understood that shit. Excuse my language, but no, you're good. That's never made sense to me. Um, and two, um, you know, my class coming out of high school, especially in California, was, was pretty rich in talent and, and a lot of high name guys. And so it was a lot of fun to, you know, one, get to know them, but to literally compete against them, like, almost week in and week out, whether it was a seven on seven tournament or you're going to the same camps, you know, whatever, if you happen to see each other in a season, I played Blake multiple times. Um, that's a lot of fun, man. Um, I enjoy playing top notch guys, even though I'm not playing them, I'm playing their team, but it's, it just makes for um, a really fun uh, competition and, and matchup. 
I'm sure those were some packed out games. A lot of people wanted to see that top talent for sure. So that leads me to my next question. What was your favorite game or your favorite moment while you were in high school? Um, had to have been winning the, the CIF championship my junior year. Um, that was, uh, you know, huge for our, um, our school, our program. It was a lot of fun. We actually beat Valencia, our crosstown rival, in that game, which was, which was sweet because we had lost to him earlier in the year. Um, but there was some other, you know, big time games where, you know, they're televised games or large crowds or, or big time, you know, stat games that were a lot of fun against some big teams. So I've got some good memories back in, in my old stomping grounds. Yeah, no doubt. So just glossing over the senior year, 45 touchdowns, you run for seven. That's, that's a ton of stats you put up there. How, how fun was that senior season for you and the team? Yeah, so between my junior and senior year, I had a ton of fun. Obviously, the junior year, we, we won the championship. So um, you have that aspect. I think senior year um, was even, you know, we didn't win the championship. Um, we got bumped up and, you know, in the playoff, a division or two. But that was like, that group was kind of like my boys I've grown up with and played Pop Warner and, and little, you know, rec league basketball and travel basketball with my entire life. So that was just, a very special year just because, you know, we're all together. That was kind of like, you know, a lot of guys last season as football players. Um, fortunately for, for myself and, and a couple other guys, we were still playing, but um, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I can imagine. So you're nominated for U.S. Army National Player of the Year. Take us through what that felt like. Did you feel like you kind of accomplished your dream at that point? Um, not, you know, not my own. It was one of my dreams um, to to be a uh, U.S. Army All-American, to, you know, be up for that recognition, playing that game, which I did. Um, and so that was super cool. I was, you know, very honored and blessed to, to do that. But um, that was one of many uh, dreams and goals that I'm still working on to this day. No, absolutely. So going into uh, your junior and senior year, you start getting a little bit of you know, some offers kind of rolling in, maybe not as fast as you would have liked, but what school started pursuing you first? My first offer was San Jose State. I remember that, you know, to this day, it was the off season between my sophomore and junior year um, in the seven on seven circuit. Um, that was my first. And then I think there was a couple other, you know, smaller school, smaller, they're still division one, but you know, of that kind of magnitude of like a San Jose state that, that offered. And then um, after that, the, the bigger power five conferences and the bigger schools started to roll on in. And then it got to a point where, you know, the domino effect where they're all starting to drop. And um, so I was very fortunate. So you mentioned that they all started to drop, except for notably, you mentioned your Southern Cal kid, uh, UCLA. Oh, yeah. Didn't come. So did you feel disrespected by UCLA absolutely. and USC? So absolutely. And you know what's funny is, you know, a little background for you. My dad is a UCLA alum. Oh, man. And I, you know, to this day, I, I have a special place <laughs> in my heart in, in, a, in another way for UCLA, but um, USC, I think, was going through a coaching change at that point, um, and they had already accepted, I think, two commitments, so I wasn't as 
you could call it butthurt, I guess. I wasn't as, you know, um, in my feelings over USC because I was more understandable. But UCLA hadn't had a commitment. They were offering all these different cats. And, um, and they were, I mean, they were actively recruiting me. But it, it was just, it was very, uh, I took it as disrespect. And, and it just kind of put a chip on my shoulder. Um, and I happened to be one and zero against them, so I'd like to say I got the better of that one. Hey, Randy, I, I'll say this: he handled it better than a previous guest we had from California, who uh, gave their thoughts about USC and UCLA so much. So we had to do a little editing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to be respectful, but I get it. But um, I could have definitely, I, sh- I definitely feel like I should have received an offer. But it is oh, what yeah. it is, man. No, no doubt. So. Moving on from that disappointment, what made you choose Arizona State? Yeah, um, I had a lot of really good relationships with coaches. There was a handful of other schools that I was considering, but at the end it boiled down to um, ASU pretty much had everything I wanted. You know, um, at the time they were coming off of like two back-to-back 10 win seasons or or higher. They had just won um, the Pac-12 South title and I were competing for the Pac-12 championship um you know socially and living environment it's it's beautiful it's very similar to California without the cost of living being out the wazoo and overpopulated um it's a beautiful weather and then what really kind of like put it over the top for me was like the icing on top is I've always wanted to push myself academically and and everyone kind of here's Arizona State and giggles and laughs and like whatever, but they have an honors college within the university that a lot of people don't know of. Um, that when I saw that and did my research on that and had meetings with the dean and all their um, advisors and professors, um, realized how much weight that carried and wanted to be a part of that program. So when I saw I could push myself academically, be away from home, but yet still really close to home, being a good football program in a beautiful area, I was sold. No, that's that speaks volumes of, of you and your character. I love that answer. Most people and, and I say sorry, that. I don't mean to cut you off, but I no. should probably mention, you know, uh, having the relationship with Coach Norvell. Oh, it's coming. Has, had something to do with that as well. So, well, good. You led me right into the to my next yeah. segment. <laughs> great, great. So we're moving on to you're at Arizona State. Talk about that relationship with Mike Norvell. Yeah. So. um he started recruiting me in that off season between the sophomore and junior season. Um, wasn't, you know, one of, I think you, the, if I remember correctly, they were my eighth offer. So it wasn't like they were like first on board, but um, I just remember coach Norvell, you know, you know, the way he recruited me, you know, the meetings with him, the phone calls, um, he just had something about him, you know, the same way you, you can go watch a player in a sport and, and you can't really describe it, but they, you just feel it. Um, you can tell they got it. And that's what I kind of felt with him. Um, he was doing a great job with that offense. It was, it was extremely explosive, um, very quarterback friendly, not necessarily where we're slinging it every play, but just the schemes of it, you know, when he met with me and broke it down, explained how I was, you know, going to be utilized and how I can operate in this offense um, was awesome. And then just our connection um, as, as gentlemen and human beings, 
um, the connection our family's made. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for him and our relationship and, and we'll be close with him, you know, for the rest of time. Yeah. And those connections obviously matter, especially as you, you're in such an impressionable age like that too. It, it helps to have a mentor like that for sure. Absolutely. So you're talking about academics freshman year, you kind of go through your red shirt. So did you, I mean, obviously you're focused on football, you're learning everything, but are you focused more on academics that freshman year and just learning your way? Yeah, so freshman year, uh, we had a redshirt senior and Mike Bercovici who um, had like a four-game stint the year before of doing really well. And then this was like his final year of taking over. And um, I knew going in the situation, but still was going to compete. But um, I really just wanted to kind of learn and soak in as much as I could, learn this offense. I graduated early so I can get in there in the spring. Um and then, yes, academically, I took on a pretty heavy load, you know, the first few semesters, just, you know, why not get ahead, um, get good grades, get, you know, get a high GPA and set yourself up for success, you know, down the line. I can't relate to that, Brady. I got to be honest with you. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Honesty. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So, uh, first few games you're playing, though, you, you get that you talked about already, you playing against UCLA, USC. I mean, as a Southern Cal kid, what was that like for you? Yeah, so the USC one was first, and I didn't start that one. Um, Manny, who was our our, um, our quarterback at the time, had gotten hurt. And so I think I had, like, the last drive of the half and then had the full second half. And, um, you know, we were kind of already out of it. But um, it was good to, like, get in there, get to play against a really solid USC um, football team you know, throwing my first, you know, collegiate touchdown in that game, but um, it came in a loss, so didn't feel as good, but um, it was a good experience. It was cool to be home in the, you know, in the Coliseum, and then the next week, I was freaking ramped up and ready to roll, and my first start ever being against UCLA, and, um, you know, it wasn't my, wasn't a perfect game, but I definitely felt myself kind of settling in in the second half and as that game went on and I think you could if you went back and watched you might be able to tell that a little bit um unfortunately that was uh you know when my my injury occurred it was late in the fourth quarter but more importantly we won that game and I'm one and versus the Bruins and I believe I came out of uh my procedure that night saying we beat those fill in the blanks you didn't happen to tell him you so you didn't get a chance after the game to say i told y'all no no I, I i had to crutch off the field and go to the hospital i had a i had a foot i needed to be fixed yeah so that kind of leads me into my next question being injured like that and you, you know you get hurt talk about the rehab process and what that was like for you mentally yeah honestly i mean you can ask my parents you can ask that i was confident as all get out man there wasn't a second a day of doubt um only time I really got emotional was crutching off the field just because I, I knew like I had got injured. It was, I knew it was kind of serious and I was just frustrated because that was my first start and I knew I was going to be probably playing, you know, the next couple of weeks and, and hopefully competing to maybe keep that job. So um, that was the only time, but after that, you know, went to the hospital at night, got my foot, somewhat fixed and then you know got set up for for surgeries but um 
man, I was, I was very comfortable. I was at peace. I credit that to my faith. Um, you know, I, I looked at my parents and I, and I said, I'm going to be, I'm going to be back better than ever. And I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be ready to roll. And so, um, it was definitely, you know, it was a long process. It wasn't easy to, um, you know, some days, you know, rehab and, and recovery is going really well. You see yourself taking steps of improvement other days. It's not as, um, good, you know, it kind of plateaus a little bit and you kind of get stuck, but, um, there was never any doubt, like I said, and then there, even though there might've been a little frustration and kind of some annoyance, um, there was never any like negative mindset or being down. I was, I was always pretty, uh, positive and confident and ready to go. And, and when that time came, um, that's why I transferred because I knew I could play right away and I wanted to, and we're, we're where we're at today. <laughs> yeah, obviously I just got one more for you and I'll turn you over to DB, but you know, I, Mike Norvell never lost any confidence in you as well. Obviously you yeah. graduate from Arizona state, you come in you're, and you're following some big footsteps, just like Mike did when he took over for Justin, you know, Justin Fuente kind of put this program back on the map. Uh, Mike Norvell carried that and, and took it to greater heights, you know, and then you're following behind Riley Ferguson, who had just come off a 10 and three and eight and five. Also the talk about the familiarity. There were six coaches, I think that were on Norvell staff that were also from the Arizona state staff. So it was like a family type familiarity thing. What made you choose Memphis? Well, I knew, so first of all, you know, it's a long story, but to, to make it short was, you know, when I, when I was deciding to transfer, um, the, all the rules and regulations were different than they are now. So the process, um, I didn't have a lot of time. And not that I needed a lot of time because I wanted to get somewhere in the spring. I didn't want to, you know, wait and then go in the summer or fall. Like, no, I want to get in the spring ball, start competing, get into school. Um, and, I, you know, it wasn't like high school. I'm not going to sit back and get recruited. Like, I knew I needed to um, basically recruit, um, regroup with a coach that I've already played for or that I've had a really good relationship you know, in high school recruitment. And so there was only a handful of options for me, and I'm not going to, like, go through those, but Memphis was one of them because of Norvell, and I knew Riley Ferguson was on his way out due to, you know, being a senior. And so I knew it wasn't guaranteed towards me, uh, you know, guaranteed the starting job, but I knew there was an opportunity. And like you mentioned, there's a ton of Arizona State staff that, you know, went with him. But – you know, so yeah, some familiarity, some family, but I didn't know a soul on this team. I didn't know anyone. I just knew there was an open quarterback job, man. <laughs> I lied. I said one more thing, but I just want to make more of a statement that I was when I was doing my research. Did you know? You might know this. I'm sure you do. Had you committed to Memphis out of high school, you would have been the yeah, highest rated been. commit ever. Yep. Yeah, that's huge. Yep. I believe I was the same for Arizona State at the time. Not anymore, though. Now I'm chopped liver over there, but. <laughs> Yes. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. So before we, we jump into the Memphis career, it, it's only fitting that I take a minute and, and I, I thank you. And I, I don't know if you hear that enough. Um, I hope you do. But one thing that you've probably learned about people from the city of Memphis is that Memphis football, Memphis basketball, uh, and the Memphis Grizzlies are what bring that city together. 
And when we're playing well and times are fun, and even, even when we're not playing well, everyone wants us to win and be successful. And I, I can only thank you for bringing people together, bringing the city together, and, and just doing your absolute very best each and every week. And, man, just thank you. Like, I, I appreciate that. I got a daughter, and it's fun letting her watch you throw the ball around and run around the house and do the tiger spell out and, and all that good stuff. So, so thank you, man. Thank you. Very thank much. you. I, I really appreciate that. Um, that means a lot to me. And, and I hope that um, I've made an impact, you know, not, not only on this program and, but this city and um, you know, I hope we've uh, set new standards um, here and, and, displayed the special city the special program the special football team we've got and uh, so there's only more good things to come and I'm just glad I can be a small part of uh, the amazing history that we're putting together absolutely so let, let's talk 2018 first year you're taking over you're you're taking some some pretty hefty reins from guys like Paxton, Paxton Lynch and Riley Ferguson what is it like knowing that you're coming in and the expectations for the program are now probably at the highest level that they've ever been? Yeah. Um, knew about it. Wasn't worried about it. Was, um, to you know, I have the same mindset to this day. I'm, I'm going to be the best thing that this, this place has ever seen. Um, and I was very confident. I was prepared. I was ready to roll. And, we had a really good team. Um, I would say that the toughest thing was, like I mentioned earlier, I came in not knowing anyone. So it was um, the, the toughest thing was, you know, really, you know, gelling with that team in the off season and getting to know guys, building that chemistry on the field as well as off the field. Um, and then uh, going into that, that season, um, just trying to take it week by week and, we had an extremely talented and, and explosive team. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, it, it wasn't what everything we wanted it to be. Um, but there were some good good times and some great learning experiences, that's for sure. So I feel like 2018 was one of those seasons where you look back on it and you realize, like, hey, we're close to where we need to be like we can just grab this thing was that a thought or and motivation for moving into the 2019 season yeah I mean like I think in 2018 it was just very disappointing just because we, we knew we were really good we knew we've, we've got you know we know we have teams in our conference that are really good but um, I think you know, for you guys, for anyone else, like 2018 is a great season to learn from because every college football season, there's going to be a handful of games that are going to come down to the wire. And the difference between a season that's still good, but doesn't, you know, makes you feel average is, is like one, two possessions. And so you can really be, you know, I would say that 2018 year, we, we lost how many damn games by one point um which is extremely frustrating and how many by one possession um and you know we were four and four at the turn and finished strong we're eight and four and then 
you know, we're fortunate to, to find our way in the conference championship and then you lose a championship game and a bowl game and now you're at eight and six. So those are tough. And then, um, yeah, you have motivation and, and you want to get back and, and do better. But it was also, um, you know, the transition. I was able to just really grow my relationships and my bonds with my teammates. And I truly felt like the, the following year, 2019, was truly like my guys. Like, that's my team. Um, not that the first team wasn't. I was just new. And it was a very unique dynamic and it was a great learning experience for me um and those guys welcomed me in so we I still got guys that I'm tight with but I think having that full year and that full off season with guys that I'm familiar with getting to know them now more on a personal level as well as on the field helped and then we won those tight games and we dominated in games we should have dominated and we had a historic you know run that you know, what did we finish 12 and two with a New Year's six bowl and an outright championship. So um, that was, was amazing. And it's going to go down in, in history um, as one of the best seasons, if not the best season ever. So talk to me about coach Norvell during this, the 2018, 2019 season, what, what was it that made him get you guys to click was it you guys just buying into the system was it what he was saying was it the offense was it the defense was it like what was it's, it it's the guy it's the players um you know uh coach Norvell is an amazing coach man I mean I wish him nothing but the best and and we're gonna like I said we're gonna be tight for for forever um but at the end of the day, you know, you need a good coach, but you also need the guys on the field to to execute that what the you know what the coach is is um, preaching and what he's game planning. Um, and it wasn't like there was a lack of buy-in the prior year. I think it was just uh, you know. It just wasn't all there. It didn't. It wasn't all put together. It didn't click. I think we were just very, like very, like very, like close to to being just as good the year prior. Just few things were off, and then, um, you know, we worked our our asses off the off season. Um, co you know, Coach Norvell continued to 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 build the culture that he built and to to um, have the program that he had and, and our players bought in and they had bought in years prior, but we just continued to um, hold those high standards. We continued to work day in and day out. And I think we were, uh, it wasn't like there was any more. It wasn't like, Oh, we bought in or he did everything different. I think we just walked in that season and it was, it was just a different team and uh, we took care of business like we knew how to. So, Tell me what it feels like as a player to know that your city's going to host game day and you're going to be on national spotlight and you're going to get a chance to to play a really good team. And then yeah. you go out there and you execute and you win. Like, what is that feeling from the start of the day and all the way up to the end of the game where you win? Oh, it was, man, it was, 
sweet. It was, it was delicious. It was awesome. Um, I think coach Norvell and our staff did a, had a phenomenal plan of allowing us to go down to Beale street the day before. So we were able to take in the full game, you know, college game day experience, get to see it, get to walk up and, you know, see the set. Um, I was fortunate enough to even get on there and, you know, talk with, with um, the guys up there for a brief little segment. Um, and so, you know, that kind of gets that, that, you know, um, giddiness and that, that initial reaction, it kind of gets that out of the way. And so, you know, the next day you're able to, to understand the platform and, and the, and the stage that you're on and, and go out and, and take it over. And, um, I think, you know, all the way from our coaching and our staff to our players, we executed at a high level. Um, it was a hell of a game, hell of an experience. I'll tell you what, running out to that Liberty Bowl, um, was once in a lifetime, man. Like that, that picture is beautiful. Like to see that vibrant blue with the nice green field with the M tiger right in the middle. I mean, that's a picture that's up in our walls and our facility that stands out more than anyone else. So, um, it was, it was surreal for sure. And, um, the city of Memphis showed up too. It wasn't just the football team winning that game. I think the city of Memphis showed out for game day and at the Liberty Bowl. So it was a, it was a special one for everyone involved, not just the team. Yeah, and I wanted to say something on that because, you know, being the guy who isn't the Memphis fan here, but I was there, um, I've been down in Baton Rouge for college game day many times. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't like Bill Street. I'm telling you right now, you know, Randy was and, and Daniel was talking about how they are the city is me and Randy have left Memphis Grizzlies playoff wins where they won a series and it's still Randy would you not agree did not touch game day down there no it definitely I mean it because it, it and it sounds cliche but it just meant more to have the spotlight on the city of Memphis when that you know when the, and when Reese Davis started off that day it's it's something I play back all the time it's almost like a like a motivational speech to hear it again to hear that intro and to see you guys spotlighted, it was awesome. It was kind of like a, a celebration of what had been accomplished. So, yeah, just like DB said, shout out to you and the team and everybody for making that happen for the city. Absolutely. And shout out to the city for, for showing up and showing out because that means a lot to us players um, more than you guys know. When, when we get to see that on TV and then run out to that Liberty Bowl, um, that's something that that really touches us, and, and we appreciate the hell out of that. Look, real quick, I've been working at the Liberty Bowl for 20 years, man, and I've gone through some lean, lean, lean days. Like, my <laughs> income is tied to the success, right? <laughs> and so, to, so, so shout out to you for helping me make some money, right? Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, so that was just such a huge night. But, I mean, no doubt, I've literally seen – and I'm not talking – I'm talking pre-pandemic. I've seen 1,500 fans there. And then to see that, I mean, I'm not even being cliche. It, like, brought, like, an emotion to the Absolutely. forefront. It was, it was crazy. BB, my Absolutely. bad, bro. No, you're good. I, the city is, is a place where if you love it, it'll love you back in space. Amen. Man. Amen. And if – I think last year was just a, a culmination of you're always taught as a kid, just work really hard and it'll pay off. And I think that was really – 
what what that was an example of is a, a bunch of guys working really hard and it paid off. Um, so you guys, you get it, you get a berth into the Cotton Bowl. Tell me what it's like knowing that you're going to go into a, a big stadium on a big stage in front of a lot of fans. Me, I was there. I had a great time. Um, what is it like to go out on that field to play a, a big time power five school? It was awesome, man. It was live. Um, I was, I was super excited to get to play, you know, I think they were like a top five defense um, and, and just show what we got, man. I mean, we went out there and we were swinging and, and what was awesome, you know, I'm kind of skipping around, but after the game, like every one of the players that I talked to, gave us mad respect and, and admitted like they were not ready for us and they did not expect us to do what we did, even though we lost and it wasn't our best performance. But I think um, every Memphis fan, every Memphis player, everyone that's associated with Memphis what, could be proud of, of what we did down there. Now, me more than anyone, I wish we would have won the mother effort and I wish we could have played a little bit better. Um, but you know, multiple coaches leave, guys step in. Um, first, you know, first game for an uh, uh, interim head coach who's now our head coach. I mean, there's a lot of different things that um, we had to deal with similar this year. There's tons of things we're dealing with right now. And I think we showed our resilience. We showed our resolve. And, and we, we kind of woke up the nation a little bit, um, I think. I was pretty proud of our guys. Um, and that's, you know, even though we lost, that's one, that's one of my favorite games because the stage was huge. That stadium is gorgeous. I mean, you said you were there. I'm sure you loved it. And the atmosphere, Memphis traveled really well. Our fans traveled and were awesome. And um, you like, you know, when you're a true competitor, especially in this game of football, you want to play against the best. Um, you don't want to go play against some cupcake. Um, I, I really enjoyed playing against some – first round draft picks and, and a top five defense and putting up 40 points on them or however much we did. Yeah. So that, so that brings me into this year, you know, you talked about coach Silverfield being the interim head coach for the bowl game and then becoming the eventual head coach for the season because he was on staff last year and the way he went about telling everyone, like I'm the guy for this job. Was it, uh, easier seamless transition for him as a head coach this year or were there still some things like we got to learn some systems we got to learn some players and what we can do a um, little bit of both man I think it was a very easy transition just because you know this is his fifth year here at the program he's he's been a part of this culture and program um, so there wasn't a lot of change as far as um, the foundation and the standards and what we expect how we go about doing things. Um, but he is his own man and he is his own coach. So there are some differences um, and some changes in just how he operates and um, what we're going to be doing. Um, but those were easy to kind of get used to. Um, but then he gets punched right in the mouth with COVID um, for a nice first year head coaching job. Um, that must be fun for him. So we're dealing with that and all the opt-outs and all the crazy stuff going on in the world outside of football. And so um, not just for him, but for coaching staffs and football programs all over the country this year has been a wild one. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's, it's, 
a matter of, you know, just doing the best everyone can do and enjoying the games that we have. And I'm appreciative anytime you guys get a chance to play on play a game of football because, I mean, for the most part, you know, with the technology that's available, I can watch you guys every week. And, you know, a lot of that is what you guys have created with success. Um, but, you know, I can only imagine what it's like as a player to have to deal with, you know, daily checks, daily protocols that you're not accustomed to, guys opting out, and still at any minute, anybody could opt out. Um, yeah. You know, so – I don't want to harp too much on the season. I just wish you guys the best. I know you're coming off a, a loss, which, you know, after talking to you, I know like that's, we're turning the page on that and we're looking forward to, you know, the next one. So. Absolutely. Um, um, a couple of things that I did want to talk to you about though, you know, and this is just more so like for people that, you know, like young kids, like you look yeah. at, you look at you, your, your many, probably game balls from the team, many American conference awards on a, on a weekly basis. I mean, you're the Davey O'Brien award finalist, you're East, East West Shrine Bowl participant, you got passing records. I mean, you're the winningest freaking quarterback in Memphis history, but like, how do you stay focused when you have all of these things like still like looming? Like, I, I just don't get it. Like to me, like, it would be easy to be it would just be easy to fold and like you know succumb to pressure and all the the hype like how do you stay poised how do you stay focused and just kind of you know relax and, and do your thing yeah well i think you know it's it's human nature and in the world we live in now it's, it's there's a lot of self-centered aspects to our society and with social media everything's about you and um, it's easy, you know, to, to sink into that and to be caught up in your stats and recognition. But, you know, I want to, first of all, credit my parents. Um, I'm so fortunate and blessed to have, you know, my mom and dad in my life and for them to have raised me the way they did. Um, but for me, it's my why. It's, it's my faith. Um, you know, you guys can believe what you want to believe. I don't know what your beliefs are, but I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. Um, I'm a follower of Christ. And, you know, he's the reason I'm alive. He's the reason I'm where I'm at today and why, you know, my soul saved for eternity. And so, you know, on this earth, you know, this is a very short time in, in my time, you know, in, in eternity. And so I want to use, um, every, every day, every second, every, you know, time I can to maximize the blessings he's given me to honor him. But, um, more than anything, um, I enjoy playing this game for others, you know? It, yeah. I, I want to be my best. Um, but I've told my team this, I want to be my best so I can help you achieve your goals and I can help you change your family's life. Um, you know, I want to, I want to, you guys to be proud. You guys are, are Memphis fans. You're from, you know, this city. I want you guys to have some damn pride in, in what you wear on your chest and go around talking smack to your buddies who's someone else's fan. So, um, you know, with all that stuff that goes around, I'm, I'm, I could care less about all the awards, all the records. I care about winning and I care about this team. Um, and so I want this team to perform as well as possible. So for like for the kids out there, I would just say one to you know if if you're in a sport or you're all getting knowledge, 
be humble, um, be humble and hungry. You know, that's kind of my deal. Um, understand that all that stuff can get take, taken away from you in, in a blink of an eye. Um, understand there's always, you know, everyone says there's always a bigger fish in the pond. Like there's always other people out there doing just as much. So just be humble, be appreciative, um, recognize all the people involved in helping you achieve your success. Um, and when you struggle, look to yourself and see what you can do better. And then just always be hungry, man. Like for me, it's, it's all about the process. It's not about winning and then shutting it down. Like once we win, it's on to the next one. I want to get another one. And so I enjoy the process of it. And that's where I get my satisfaction. It's not in the result. Well, do you know where you were a year ago today? Today is December 7th, right? Yes, it is. Oh, man. A, a year ago today was December 7th, 2019. So we're, we had to have been, like, near a conference championship. It, it's near championship weekend. You were celebrating a conference championship, my friend. Boom. Back to back over, over the Bearcats. Yeah. Happy one-year anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, they, uh, they were showing that on social media today. And the first thing I did was message Daniel. And I said, did you realize that we're going to have Brady on? And that was exactly a year ago today. So you couldn't ask for – uh, a better setup. I did want to ask you about one thing not pertaining to Memphis, but you know, you talk about your love for your teammates and you want for them um, to do the best, man. How do you, uh, man, what are you liking what you're seeing from Gibson in the NFL? I mean, he's killing it. Yeah, man. I think all of, all of the guys that I, you know, there's a lot of former Tigers, um, probably guys that you know better than I do just because I only, you know, I only got here three years ago, but, um, all the Tigers that I've played with that are in the league, you know, Tony Pollard, Daryl Henderson, Antonio Gibson, you know, those are just a few, but there's more. Um, they're all doing well, man, and they're showing out. And AG is taking the league by storm as a rookie. Daryl's, um, you know, he's one of, the, I think, for like the PFF stuff, I think he's one of the most efficient and explosive backs. And Tony is a hell of a running back for the Cowboys. I know they got a pretty good one and Zeke, but talk about, you know, efficient and a guy that's productive when he gets the ball in his hands. So, um, I mean, and then you got Anthony Miller and he's balling out. So like, I'm super proud um, to be a Tiger. I'm proud of our guys that have gone to the next level and doesn't matter what round they went in. Um, they're showing out, man. And, and that's just because I think it's who they are and they're talented individuals, but they also, have taken um, part of this program, part of this culture, and what they kind of, you know, help develop here and what we've got going on here to the next level as a part of what makes them up and their character, and that's why they do so well. I think uh, Daniel's probably ready. You know, you said you enjoyed playing that combo. I think Daniel's probably ready for you to come down to Dallas and be a Cowboy. What do you think, Daniel? <laughs> I'll take that all day. All day. Yeah. Wherever, would, whoever would whoever takes me. Yeah, I wouldn't want to root for a better better person, man. Thank you. Um, Brady, you have been most impressive. And, and I, like, I, I echo all the uh, sentiments DB said, but we're going to play a little game. There's only 
two, there's only one rule, really. You can't say neither and you can't say both. I'm going to ask you a question, a series oh, of questions. You guys aren't going to like me. I can already know. Here we go. I can't, can't say, say neither, neither and you can't and say, I both. Can't say both. You got to pick one or the other. Look, I'm going to start it real easy. I'm going to softball it out there. Barbecue or West Coast burger? Oh, West Coast burger. See, I was afraid you were going to say that, man. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you another softball. Books okay. or movies? Sorry, say that again. Books or movies? I'm going to go with movies. Um, I will I will say that um, when I do get a good book or one that intrigues me, I will read it like front to cover very quickly because I won't put it down. But I'm, I'll probably say I'm more of a movie guy. And that's why he's smarter than all of us. <laughs> I, I read a ton, Brady. I'm with you on that. Good for you. Good for you. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to get a little football. Throwing touchdown or rushing touchdown? Oh, man, I'm, I want to throw the touchdown. I'll let uh, AG and Ken, and all those guys, let them rush the touchdowns. All right, this is like a very highly debated thing with like some true blue Tigers. The traditional blue unis or like black alternates? Mm. Can you, I need some context. Uh, okay, man. like just blue and gray? Or those black with them chrome helmets and stuff. I'm, look, I'm all oh, for the I alternates. Know, I know. I I'm know, for the but... alternates. Oh. You should have started easy. You, you know there were Can't... more colors you could have thrown in there first before you got No, 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 no. Five different answers. <laughs> yeah. You can say alternates. It's okay. They're not going to hate no, you. No, I mean, you got How can you not say both that? You have to have <laughs> the traditional them. blue and gray, and you got to have some swag. Like, you got to have some all I black. Pick, Brady, I'm going to be honest with you, man. And that le- this is going to leave my mind. I thought you were going to pick swag. So that leads me to my next one. I'm saying both. I'm going against the rules. That's You're going against one. the rules. Daniel. Like oh, man. Listen, listen, listen. I'm going to move on to the next one. We're going to get past on that Let one. me show you. I tried to find your picture, but I couldn't. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Those black, those black and whites. Oh, that's uh-huh. so fresh. Those are, those are, those are legit. I All know, right. but we got, we, we're not, we don't win them though. We need to get rid of them. Ah, there you go. All I right. Mean, you, you won that game. All right, listen, Brady. We're gonna keep it on. We've got a couple more. Jordan ones or Jordan threes. Shoes, not cleats, right? Shoes. Shoes. Yep. I'm going to go with ones, man. I think ones are super versatile, and you could dress them up, dress them down. There's tons of different combinations and colorways. I love ones. Correct answer. I like it. All right. Text or call? Mm. Depends. <laughs> you can't break the rule again. We got we to gotta pick one here. I didn't say either of both. It depends. Uh <laughs> If you if you give me a more specific question situation, I could give you a more straightforward answer. Man, who's the interviewer and, here? Look, all right, all right. You're talking. You're calling your girlfriend. You texting or you calling? Not. I mean, excuse me. You're communicating with your girlfriend. Is it serious? Nope. <laughs> not serious. Text. Text. See, you're too smart for all these questions, man. I knew I, I knew I shouldn't have been asking a guy going for their masters. This is ridiculous. My no, I'm going for my doctorate. I've already doctorate. I like the correction, and I even oh, said yeah. that to these guys last time. Don't, night. don't, don't just. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how you. I'm made like that. the UCLA of the of the college offers right now. I, I kid you no, I kid you not, Brady. I actually texted that to Randy last night. I said masters, and he corrected me on that. I corrected so him and said doctorate, and, and now then he here messes I am. it up. 
All right, listen, I got to move on because I'm embarrassed. All right, you want to go back in the past or into the future? You could be at Texas Live, Texas Stadium, I mean, well, game day. Am I just, am oh, I just no. going to observe? No, 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 you're going to be you, bro. Swag. Swag Brady. I mean, I'm all about the present, man. Um, there's no, there's no need to go to the, the past. The past is already gone. I can't control it. He went, Daniel. He went from being the smoothest guest ever. You're the philosopher of the this or that. Trust me, my, my girlfriend, my girlfriend does does all these what ifs, and I ask her. So like, you're prepared for this? Oh, I, I give her like. I need because I'm all about like context and details. So like, if you give me like, would you rather have this or that? I'm gonna like ask fifty questions break to, it down. to get. Yeah. Okay. But, all right. All right. I'm gonna give you one that I don't think you can get out of, man. Okay. Bachelor or bachelorette? Bachelor or bachelorette? Oh yeah. Why would I? I would rather watch watching it, right? Yeah. Yes. I would rather watch the Bachelor, where there's one dude and thirty chicks. I like your answer. All right. <laughs> I'm I'm ending it on this one and there will be there's no debate, okay? And I uh, judging by your whole interview here, I think I know the answer. If you only could choose one or the other, are you choosing friends or are you choosing money? I mean, seriously. Friends all day. See, you know, you're still going to be one of my top favorite guests we've ever had. But the, I'm picking money, and these are my hey, these are two of my best friends on the screen right now, and I'm picking does money. Does he know good guys. if you get killed the next day, bud? Can't take it with you. That's what I've heard. Does no I can't good. Can't take my friends it. with me either, though. <laughs> yeah, they ain't coming with me. They're gonna they're gonna be there later. I hope. Just, just make good right, point. Just right you know what I meant, money. though. I, I do know, know what I you meant. meant, but I had to bring it back on you, like you've been doing me on this, this or that. Hey, no, touche. I was. You're right. No, hey. You know what, I, Go ahead. Every every time, like from here on out, Brady, if you get sacked or something, I'm just be like, no, man, it's okay, because he was just thinking. He was thinking it through. <laughs> look, look, hey. No, if I'm getting sacked, I'm not thinking it through. I'm thinking, why the hell is this guy running at my ass? And <laughs> when we were going through this or that questions, there's one that uh, you know, I wanted you to ask, Randy. You didn't ask. I gotta, Let's I gotta it. know, Tua or Burrow. Like, who am I picking? Who do I think is better? Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by saying they're both freaking phenomenal quarterbacks. Um, if I were drafting, if I was a team drafting in that draft, I'm taking Burrow. Very good answer, as you can see the jersey behind me. Now, now it is time to, to let you go. It's, it's late. Ran out of questions. I ran out of questions. Yeah. It was good, man. It was good. We got a lot of insight. Really, just another chance for a great athlete to tell us their story. So, uh, we wish you the best, man. If there's anything we can do for you, um, plug or promote anything for you, let us know. We'll put it out there. Uh, But we're going to take a break. We're going to plug some sponsors. When we come back, Randy's going to make us rich. Jim's going to blow that whistle. I'm going to get my That's What's Up award. And we're going to sprinkle a few headlines in there for you. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Guys, we're going to start off with NCAA basketball. We had um, some pretty decent games uh, last week. 
Uh, one in particular, Michigan State beating Duke. Uh, Randy, you talked about Izzo and how good of a coach he really is. But, I, I mean, this guy consistently wins and produces and puts really good talent out there on the floor. Does, does Michigan State beating Duke mean anything this early in the season? Or um, are they a team that we need to worry about? Yeah, I think wins always matter, right? And, and you know, Izzo talked about it after the game. Uh, he's not going to put an asterisk beside it. And, you know, there was a stat that came out years ago. I don't even know if it holds true anymore, but there, was, there had never been a four-year player uh, that played all four years under Izzo that did not make the Final Four. So what a, what a stat that was not so long ago. And, uh, you know, you talk about the players that are special – uh, Draymond and Jaron Jackson, and those are long players. They're not one and dones. Those are guys that kind of ride it out, play a couple years, and really grow and flourish and develop under him. So as far as developing talent and, and really have, buying into the team, Izzo's got to be the greatest. Yeah, and, you know, it's it always comes down to March, and you always see Michigan State on the line against somebody, and it's always a scary matchup no matter how good or bad that they've been playing at the time. Um, but speaking of that, we got Kentucky, man. Jim, those Kentucky woes are, are, are pretty dreadful right now. But the fan reactions are what, what's killing me. Are the fans overreacting to the, the struggles that Kentucky's having right now? I believe they are because, you know, to compare it to Memphis, for instance, right? So when you talk about the talent that's been recruited in – um, you expect maybe possibly a slow start. The difference is Coach Cal has proven time and time again that he gets his team back on course, right? And that, you know, that's what's up in the air with Memphis. But it's never been a problem for, for Cal to get his troops in line. So I think it's just young guys. They have never played together. Um, you know, talent eventually will start winning them some games just by itself. They'll start learning how to play together in jail. Um, I, if you look at the way he's been responding, he's not freaking out. If he's not freaking out, why should we freak out? Very true. Um, I said it last week is he put a statement out there and, you know, he's taken every bit of the criticism. None should be put on the players. It's a tough time. And as the coach, he's got to be the guy that, that gets them going. So it'll be interesting to see. I think Kentucky here lately has been notorious for, uh, slow starts and just kind of picking up over time and playing their best basketball towards the end of the season. So, guys, guys, that that team is bad, and yeah. and I and I said it before we the season started. They don't return a single player that averaged over five points a game. That they just Tech is bad, and they just blew Kentucky out by twenty. It's a bad team. It's not a tournament team. So you don't think they'll ride the ship at all? No, I don't think they're going to make the tournament. No, that is a bad team. Well, I can tell you this: as a Memphis fan. I'm okay with that. And, I no, I did not watch any of their games. I'm just going off of what people are saying and what I'm seeing on ESPN and what I'm reading on, on the interwebs. But, Randy, the Vols, big dog, are they actually going to play a basketball game tomorrow? Oh, they playing, man. You know, uh, Rick Barnes coming oh, out Rick of COVID. Barnes. He is going to uh, – uh, you know, hey, look, a little absence. They, 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 what they did was they saved Gonzaga that big L. So, you know, they did – you know, he did Mark View a solid, and now they're going to take their frustrations out on, on a good Colorado team. You know, Colorado is 2-0 and coming in. They got a decent talent. 
and a lot of people are excited to see what Tennessee has to offer. I think right now they're the odds-on favorite to win the SEC, and it starts tomorrow. Randy, what's up with the 5 o'clock tip, bro? Look, we're just happy to be playing basketball. We've canceled every game we've had so far. We're just happy to play. It could because be at I, noon. Because I noticed – I was like – I was looking at the two games that, you know, noteworthy worth watching, and then Creighton and Kansas are playing at 4 o'clock. It's like, dang, like, they expect folks to just be around watching TV. Huh? Nobody wants to compete with them Cowboys, man, you know? <laughs> I hear you. I mean, I'm, I I got a dilemma tomorrow night. I got, you know, Memphis tipping off against Mississippi Valley State, and I got the Cowboys playing, so it'll be – Two Listen, TVs going on in my house tomorrow. Mississippi Valley State lost by 80, 80, 80 points. If Memphis even struggles, we're coming back next week to talk only the Memphis Tigers. <laughs> so, Jim, I'll ask you. They picked up two wins, one against Arkansas State where they actually looked pretty good, and then another against Central Arkansas where the first half um, they were slow and then ended up, you know, pulling away, you know, it, middle of the second half I mean they're playing you know Mississippi Valley State tomorrow three their past three games now are going to be teams that they should just absolutely beat up on is this something they needed or are these pointless games no you always need it you got to be able to figure things out I think in their last game though um seeing how long it took to figure it out I mean what there was a certain point where I think would you text me at halftime, Randy, that said, should we be worried? Like, like I mean, it shouldn't take so long to put it together against a bad team, and they've played enough games now. Um, so I mean, they they clearly need these games because they've got a lot of stuff they've got to work out. I think one of the big positives that I can take away is Landers Nolly is a very good basketball player. I mean, very, he, came from the, he came from the ACC, so, I mean, I mean, he played against the top team, so he should be ready for this. So, Randy, I'll ask you, outside of Landers and Ollie, what is it that the Tigers need to, to start figuring this out? An offensive game plan. And, you know, and it's as simple as that. They need an identity on offense. What do you think that identity is? Uh, not taking turns and, and maybe like that extra pass. Yeah, but I mean, the extra pass is great, but what happens when they're not shooting the ball well? You can overcome bad shooting with good game plan. They got it motion. Uh, you know, cows, they don't have great shooting teams, but if you have motion and, you know, you constantly move off the ball, you have activity off the ball, that's what we're not seeing. We're seeing a lot of guys standing around and waiting on their shot, and that's, you know, or waiting on their moment to go ISO, and that's what we got to do less of. It'll be interesting to see. I, I'm hoping tomorrow is a, is a great time to blow out a team and feel good about yourself and hopefully work a, a bunch of different things and figure it out um, because conference play is moving in on us quick, and they're going to have to win a lot, so – um, moving on to NFL, we're going to recap a little bit of last week, and I'm going to start with your team, your boys, uh, Jim. And I don't mean the Saints. I mean the Browns. You've been a Browns fan this whole season. The Browns absolutely put a beat down on the Titans. Baker Mayfield probably played his best game of the season. Randy, is it time for you and I to start giving in to the fact that the Browns are going to make the playoffs? First of all, I want to say this. Jim did call it before the season, but he called it last season too. So he's like, look, I'm going to keep picking this team and eventually they're going to prove me right. 
I still so, can't get credit for him. Good. The grief. Browns absolutely deserve all the credit because that was a huge win. Uh, and for huge first half, historic first half. Baker Mayfield played great. He even channeled his inner Dwight Schrute after the game, and he said, "You know how why I'm playing better." He said, "Because I think to myself whenever I'm about to do something, would an idiot do that? And if they and if they would, I don't do that." You you said if he woke up feeling dangerous, and after he threw that third touchdown, you wrote me a, you sent me a text and said yeah. he woke up feeling dangerous. He woke up feeling dangerous. I was a little disappointed at their second half. They only ended up with a field goal in the second half, but. You know, because I want the Titans to lose by 100. And that was the best part. You know, Randy Randy got to enjoy the Browns winning because it helped his Colts. Absolutely. Shout out to Baker Mayfield. So, Jim, I'll ask you this. Who who can the Browns play in the playoffs and beat? Well, they've already – let me preface this. Randy, I'm not saying that they will, but they have already beaten the Colts and the Titans. That, I mean, so that's a fact. And so you would have to say initially they could beat those two, right? No. Um, <laughs> but they've beaten them. It's hard to beat a team twice. We hear it all the time. Um, the Titans. I feel like they shouldn't be able to beat the Bills, but the Bills at time have been bipolar. I mean, I, right, correct? So, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't it honestly the answer be – Anybody but the the Chiefs and I and I'd say the Steelers as of right now, but they haven't. They've looked pretty suspect, and they play the Browns in Cleveland coming up. So we'll we'll just find out the answer to that. So right now, I'd say anybody but the Chiefs they have a chance against. What happened last time the Steelers played the Browns? <clears throat> but they've ran yeah. off like seven straight since then. I won't hear it. Well, I mean, the Colts have only lost one game since they lost to the Browns. Anyways, so the Raiders beat the Jets, and the Raiders. No, they are, didn't. <laughs> the The defensive coordinator allowed the Raiders to beat the Jets, so he gets fired. Um, is Is that the right move, or did the Jets, Randy, did they have to do something in order to protect the fact that they are trying to lose games? They are trying to lose, and if you're trying to lose, there's no better guy to keep than inept coaching staff. So it should just keep everybody in place. Let's get this 0-16, and, and let's just get this number one pick. Oh, I, I, let already, me ask you. Let me I'm ask you fired. guys. Just pay me my money. And Greg Williams is all about paying money. Think back to when he was with the Saints and the whole, you know, oh, scandal no, game. No, no, no. So, listen, let me ask you all a question. Insert Trevor Lawrence onto that team. That's not going to make not a very good team. team. No, that's not. That's can, not it. Can I, can I tell you like some parallels? It's interesting, by the way. So watching Rugs catch that bomb to beat the Jets was like watching Devontae Smith for Alabama dust the LSU secondary. And obviously, I bring that up because Rugs played for Bama. I wish Bo Pelini could have got fired. Just one and the same. Um, to, to parallel those two, that would have been just a nice weekend. An Alabama receiver just dusting a defensive coordinator and cut, uh, or DB and getting a defensive coordinator fired. That would have been great. So, Randy, the, the Colts in first place. Um, nope. They got a, okay. They're, they're tied. They got the same record. So, with that, and the Colts got enough to stay in the spot, or are they going to give up some ground? 
No, man, they're going to stay in the spot. They're going to win the AFC South. They took a timeout last year uh, from winning it. But if you look back, historically, they own the South. So they're going to win it again. The Titans are going to flounder along over the next couple of weeks. Colts are going to pick up some big wins. I was worried about the Texas game going in. I told you all they had been playing better. Deshaun Watson's always uh, dangerous. And he kind of showed that the Colts defense played well. First half was like a shootout. It was like a Pac-12 or a Big 12 football game. In the second half, defense tightened up. Phillip Rivers did not play well in the second half, but the defense did. They got pressure on Watson, and that's what it takes to get a guy like that off his rhythm, and it really showed. And then he gave the game away at the end. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, well, and they, they got the Texans again in two more in two weeks. So uh, the Saints did a good job beating the team that they played, you know, on a quick turnaround. Um, you know, the, the Colts, <laughs> the Colts did not. Yeah, no. But, I mean, granted, the, the Titans are a pretty good team, you know. Yeah. And, and regardless yeah. of, of what they've done the past few weeks, they're a good team. And – you know, it'll be interesting. I'll, I'll, I think it's going to be tough to – I mean, I, I'm looking at two and two for your Colts to, to end the season. I, I think they're going to beat the Raiders. I think they're going to lose to the Texans. I think they're going to lose to the Steelers. I think they're going to beat the Jaguars to end the season. You know what? You've been disrespecting my team all season long. <laughs> then then you should be happy with that. Disrespect them a little bit more. Phillip Rivers and his nine children will be writing to you personally. That's fine. Um so the, the Saints, Jim, they pick up a win. They clinch a playoff berth. Are they – now, don't – just think about what's happened over the past couple weeks. Are they a better team with or without Drew Brees? With Drew Brees. All right, so why? Um – well, first of all, um, as much as Taysom does some exciting plays, he has been careless with the football. He has had a fumble in every single game. Um, he got lucky and recovered his one this past week, but he lost one in both the previous games. He gets a little dangerous, um, and that's kind of the price you pay. Um, but – the biggest reason is Alvin Kamara is not being used. And I think in order to beat teams, I mean, obviously he's feeding Thomas and that's important. He's getting Sanders involved, but if you're not being able to use Alvin Kamara, he is essential to your offensive game plan. So the thing is Taysom uses Thomas, Taysom uses Sanders, but he doesn't use Kamara. Breeze is going to use all of them. Randy, Shout out to Taysom Hill for finally throwing a touchdown to Jared Cook. My fantasy Hello. team appreciates it. He threw two of them, man, big, big time. You asked last week, and Taysom listened, and he, he took care of you. I got a little fever Sunday just looking at it. <laughs> Sweating. Had to take a cold shower. But, I, hey, I'll say this, Daniel, Breeze or Taysom, if that defense keeps playing like that, I mean, that's that's what could win them the Super Bowl. Like I told you, they're ranked number one coming in. They they are going to be ranked number one again. The pressure they're getting on the quarterback, the secondary flying around, like it used to be just Lattimore back there. You got C.J. Gardner, Johnson. Ironically, Marcus Williams, the guy who is responsible for the Minnesota Miracle, 
he's all over the field. I mean, P.J. Williams, who used to be notorious for giving up two to three touchdowns a game, he all of a sudden can defend. I mean, they're, they're flying. And then, hey, Quan Alexander has been a monster alongside hey. Mario Davis. Hit the Quan. Hit the Quan. I mean, those two guys in the middle together. So, as long as that defense keeps playing like that, I mean, y'all know, y'all know it's always defense can win you championships. Yeah, they got the Eagles this week, so I bet their defense is just licking them chops. And let waiting. me and and let me say this, Daniel, uh, because there's been a lot of speculation to whether Breeze can come back this week. Um, being that you know we're talking about who we would rather have, if we're talking about going to Philly and playing in cold weather, Breeze can go ahead and sit one more week out, please. Well, what's the what's the point? They got the playoff spot. Like they're playing well without them. Give them another week. Well, well, here's the fear, right? They lost to Green Bay. So Green Bay owns the tiebreaker. So they don't really have a margin of error. And the game that scares me is not Philly, but looming behind it, that Kansas City game. And you, if Green Bay, I looked at their schedule, they don't have anybody tough left. So I have a bad feeling New Orleans is still going to find themselves in the two spot. Well, hey, at least they're there. So enjoy that. So, Randy, Seattle loses. Um, what's up with Russell Wilson? You know, I blame Jim. I blame Jim holistically because for years he'd been trying to tell me that Russell Wilson was this guy I needed to root for. So this year I finally buy in. I say, you know what, Russ? I've had you on my fantasy team two years in a row. I'm buying in. And I start him over Josh Allen. And since I did that, it's been trash. So Pete Carroll needs to figure it out. Probably bench him. I don't know. Trade him. Get him out of there. You know, he's got his life going on. But I'm saying right now, it, it, I really feel bad for Russell Wilson on a serious note because that offensive line is god-awful. And the defense is – it's not the Legion of Boom that we all knew. No, I think they're just a – they're a slightly above average to good football team that is well-coached and the guys like who they play for. So that wins them another game or two. And so there they are. Um, but, I mean, if, if you look at it, really – we're throwing a lot of hate their way, but I mean, they're still eight and four. That's pretty damn good. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, along with you, Randy, I currently have Russell Wilson as my quarterback on one of my teams, and like so far, so good. Uh-oh. You know, he had, when he's stellar, he's stellar. But when he's not, it's kind of it's it's tough to to update and refresh the scores every week. Jim, you got the Ravens. Let's talk about the Ravens. Currently out of the playoffs. Is is this a reality? Could they not make the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I believe it is a reality because we've been sitting here talking about the Titans and the Colts, right? So I think obviously one of those is taking a wild card. Cleveland is taking a wild card. So your, your problem is the Patriots have now gotten hot, and while they're not beating anybody good, you know, both you guys said that was the team that could make it just because of who their coach was and that team's notorious for finding a way. So you got them right there in the mix along with the Raiders. Um, it's gonna get It's going to get real interesting. Yeah, um... You know, I just I just feel bad for Oh, the, the Dolphins. Ravens. I apologize. I forgot to mention the Dolphins. Yeah, can't can't leave out the Dolphins now. 
But I, I feel bad for the Ravens because they're going to run into a buzzsaw tomorrow night, and then they turn around the next week and play the Browns. I mean, so, you know, they, they got some trouble brewing, uh, if you know what I mean. But uh, moving to this week's slate of games, you got Kansas City at Miami. Is this a good test for Miami, or are they in a – tough spot where they have to win and they're just up against the best. Randy, I'll throw that at you. Uh, I think it's definitely more of a must win for Miami just trying to keep pace with Buffalo, but I think that for Kansas City, I don't know about you guys, but it, to me, it watching them, it seems like they're almost you know, they're not really engaged in the game. Like, they're just winning without really putting it all out there. I'm not saying they're not trying, and I know that they are, and they're still winning games, which says a lot, but they just don't look like the explosive offense that we've seen. Now, the defense looks much improved most weeks, but I think that you've seen them either jump out to big leads and let the leads go or just kind of fumble their way through games. You know, Mahomes missed a few passes yesterday that Jim talked about earlier, could have really put the game away, and, and they just don't do it now. Yeah, I, I think if if I'm a Buffalo fan I'm paying attention to this game just for the the fact that if Miami actually plays well and let's say they do beat Kansas City like I, I'm I think that's something to be fearful of a little bit for Buffalo because I mean they were the pick out of the division they for all everything that they looked at Miami wouldn't have been on their radar to even be a contender and now here they are, and, you know, it's probably a really bad time to have to ratchet up the, up their game and then have to play better because they're actually playing really well. So And the, the defense, the Dolphins' defense is good. I mean, that's, yeah. that's they're good. That's where the test will be. That's what I was going to say is, I mean, Kansas City with, like you were saying, Randy, offense is just kind of just doing its thing now going against a defense who's ready. Yeah, you know, another, another team to look at, you know, in a similar – you know, do or die. I mean, really, you're looking at Tampa Bay and Minnesota. Minnesota is six and six. Tampa Bay seven and five. Minnesota's, you know, seated seven, while Tampa Bay seated six. Like this is a pretty, pretty important game for both teams. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's a must win, but I, I think it's it's a, a a very, very important game, and you don't want to lose any ground. Um, then you got the Colts and the Raiders. Um, Randy, I'll ask you, are the Colts a team that needs to to have a reason to keep pace? In, or are they a team that can just go out and play? And what I mean by that is they're having to keep pace with Tennessee. And is that a good thing for them? Or are they going to press a little bit more than what they should and play you know, silly football. No, I think they're really well coached. I think that, and you could even make the argument that Frank Reich was a lot of the reason why the Eagles won their bowl after seeing what's happened to them since he's left. Uh, I think that they're very confident in their ability. That defense is still, a, you know, it's in the top three. Uh, you know, when Jim talks about best defense, he's talking about yardage, but you look at points, the culture's still up there. Yardage, they're still right there with them. The defense is where it's at. You got to get more, still, I say it every week, consistent play from Phillip Rivers. He's played okay, but there's still moments in the game where you hold your breath like, oh, my goodness, what's he doing? So, And I don't think the Raiders 
We just saw him gifted a game. Right, and so I don't – that this this is not I remember that. the week before they got housed. They got housed by the Falcons. Who? Yeah, I just – I don't – I think that John Gruden does a lot of good coach speak, but I think the Colts are a better team, and they'll prove it this weekend. X-52 banana spider monkey. <laughs> exactly. So, the Cowboys are going to have a quick turnaround. They're going to take on Cincinnati. Andy Dalton is going to go back and show them what's up. That's that's the pick. That's the pick of the week right there. Cowboys over Ravens tomorrow. Cowboys over the Bengals next week. Two. You're saying they're going to almost double their win total in one yep, week. They figured it out. <laughs> they had a couple extra days of preparation, and now they're ready. I like it. I like it. Except for that offensive line is the same and that defense is the same. <laughs> oh, I, I just got to be positive. That's the only way to make this season any fun with them. Uh, but, Jim, your your team, the Saints, are, are, we talked about it earlier, they're traveling to Philly. Um, is there – now that they're in the playoff spot, they have a potential to bring Drew Brees back, maybe, maybe not. But is this a chance where they let off the gas a little bit? No, the like I said, it's about that defense, right? And right now you got either – for Philadelphia, you either got Carson Wentz, who's playing atrocious, or you're going to have Jalen Hurts in his first start. And for a defense that's playing the way they are, I think they are going to be super excited. And I think really the offense for the Saints isn't going to matter. I think I think the defense is probably going to produce points. Um, there's going to be turnovers. Um yeah, I, I'm not even studying that game, to be honest. I, I'm not trying to overlook games, but I'm not studying Philly. So then there's there's Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Randy, is this an intriguing game? Yeah, it's intriguing to see how Pittsburgh bounces back off their first loss and Buffalo to see if they're a real contender. They've had some good wins. This will really solidify. And I think this will give Buffalo a chance to get their 10th win. So, I mean, that's something that hadn't been done in a while there. Jim, do you think that these teams have a shot for the Super Bowl? Or do you think they're going to get beat by Kansas City or lost in the wash of the Browns, Titans, Colts, little spin cycle? I mean, we all said before the season it was Kansas City. But, I mean, they all have a shot. I think – when, when you look, especially if you look at that Sunday night and Monday night game, you just asked him about the Steelers and Bills, and you look at the Ravens and Browns. I mean, those are some really good teams. And honestly, like, when we're talking about seating and everything, and I know that the stadiums aren't full of fans, but you still want to be at home and have um, some sort of home field advantage. And so, for that's, that's the reason why that Steelers-Bills game is huge, right? Because if the Bills beat the Steelers, that – that gives Kansas City the driver's seat. And interestingly enough, as much as y'all don't believe in the Browns, let's say the Bills do beat the Steelers and then the Browns do beat the Ravens. The Browns will then control their own fate to win the North. LSU North win in the North. Exactly. I think when you look at this overall slate of games, Daniel, because you talked about the Vikings and the Bucks, and then we're talking about these games, and even a big game now – which wasn't a big game before, 
you were talking about those teams vying for the wild card. You have the Cardinals right there in the mix, and they're playing the Giants, who are tied atop of the East. So Cardinals are fighting for their life, and Giants are fighting for that division. So, I mean, there are literally seven games, the Patriots and the Rams. Like, I mean, there's some good football this weekend. Look at the Giants. The Giants. Colt McCoy, by the way. I can't even believe I brought that. Hey, up. can we give your boy Alex Smith a shout out for for tonight or this afternoon? Oh, it's I got I got you, I got you. So, college football guys, um, you know, another as far as predictions go, another abysmal week for us all. But before we get to that, let's recap a little bit. Jim, Alabama beats up on LSU. Uh, was it a a better? game than you thought it would be or was it on par with what you thought LSU was gonna gonna put out there against Bama it was absolutely on par at least LSU scored a couple touchdowns to have some pride but um, LSU's been getting dusted defensively all year and those Alabama receivers and Mac Jones just I mean and some of them I mean it, it was easy I mean it was seven on seven drill it was I don't know. It was what I expected. Randy, Ohio State beat up on Michigan State. Is Ohio State the third-ranked team, or are they better than Notre Dame, who's the second-ranked team? They're absolutely better than Notre Dame. <laughs> even even though Notre Dame has ten wins under the belt and Ohio State only has five, they're still a better team. Absolutely. If you, I mean, if you put them on a field right now, they would be favored by six and a half, seven points. Well, I mean, that's how it would – if the season ended today, that's how it would shake out. So, maybe it'll that's be a, how – I would give you double-digit points because Ohio State would dust that slow team off. <laughs> Wouldn't even be close. Well, what about what about Florida? All right, you, you did, did the balls play better than expected or did they play on par with what you thought? <laughs> so, um, they – Kyle Trask is a real deal. Shout out to Jim for saying he's a Heisman favorite way before he actually was the Heisman favorite. Uh, the defense – I thought that Tennessee what, – what proved to me week after week is that Tennessee has the talent to compete. They don't have the execution, and that falls back on coaching. If you have the talent, they should have went to Harrison Bailey way before they did. Then Harrison Bailey comes in. You know, they make some plays. They go down, 96-yard drive. They score. You get some momentum. You know, you, you, the pro, what Florida does so very well, they defer, they give you the ball, and then right before halftime they score and they get the ball back, and immediately they're so good at that two-minute drill scoring. So that put them down 24-7. And then in the second half, they take Harrison Bailey out of the game and put JT Shroud in the game. So I can't make sense of what Jeremy Pruitt is doing. I know the guy knows football. I just don't know. I think he can't see the force for the trees right now. Pick a guy, stick with the guy. Hopefully – you know, that's what they're doing. They say at least Garantano isn't going to be playing anymore. You know, shout out to the young man for being, by all accounts, a great human being, but he doesn't need to be the starting quarterback for Tennessee. They need to pick one guy. Unfortunately, they said today they will be using both guys again against Vanderbilt. Well, when, when I look at their schedule, they, they started off the season 2-0, and and then they go in and play Georgia. So that's not a time to change quarterbacks. 2-0 – 
going into Georgia, not a good time to, to change quarterbacks. They lose to Georgia, which, okay, they were probably going to lose anyways. They're winning at halftime, the Georgia game. Okay, but they, they didn't win. And it, whether they won or lost, losing wasn't something that was out of the realm of possibility. It wasn't like they were going in expected to win the game. Okay. All right, so then the next week you got Kentucky. You get blown out. Um, is that the time that you change the quarterback? Yeah, anybody that watched the game knew that after he threw two pick sixes in a row, it was the time to, try to, to change the quarterback. Uh, and he completely took them out of the game. Jared Garantano took them out of the game almost single-handedly. So that means you got, uh, you got this new – he's a freshman, right? That's right. Freshman quarterback starting the game against Alabama. That's that fine. you want to roll? Absolutely. Let him get his lumps. Josh Dobbs did it. He turned out to be pretty good. And then Arkansas, Texas A&M was postponed. You had an Auburn game. Let's say, let's say Bailey goes in and 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 starts against Alabama, plays all the whole game against Arkansas. Do you think the Auburn game is any different than what it was? Yeah, and I think the Arkansas game is too. Remember, they're up thirteen to nothing True. against Arkansas, and then the turnover factory started churning out what they do, and they put they end up putting Harrison Bailey in multiple times when they're down. For the first time in, I think, ever, they lost six straight games by double-digit points. Unacceptable. It will never be the standard for Tennessee. And I'm not one of the Tennessee fans that says we should win the national championship. Never would I say that. But losing six straight games by double digits, never going to be accepted. I can agree with that. I mean, it, it, let's say they do all that. I mean, I, you're giving a guy with some, some pretty good, you know, time under center – in the game against some really good teams before he takes on Florida. So, uh, I mean, I, I feel you. Um, I don't know if there was ever a good time to put a freshman quarterback in, but sometimes you just got to initiation by fire, man. Just go out there and there you go, man. That's what, you know, and Butch did that with Josh Dobbs, and then it turned into back-to-back 10-win seasons. So, I mean, it, it kept Butch a job for a few more years. So, Jim, Texas A&M holds off Auburn. Was there any reason to believe that Texas A&M still isn't a team right there getting ready to try to make a push for the a playoff spot? Nope, trash. You still think they're trash, huh? Look, let me tell you what just needs to happen. College playoff football committee, whoever, people in charge, Florida and Alabama, Ohio State and Michigan, Clemson and Notre Dame, and Coastal Carolina and Cincinnati all need to play each other right now. Let's just throw all these other games away, and let's get our four and call it a day. So let me ask you guys this. Coastal Carolina beats BYU. Is there any reason not to believe that Coastal Carolina should be ranked ahead of Cincinnati, Randy? I think they should be because they got that marquee win. And how about the greatest tagline of the season, mullets versus Mormons? I loved it, and I want to see more of it. Hey, I'm going to tip my hat to BYU who said, we'll play anybody, and then backed it up. Yeah, the Chanticleers came a-calling, and they answered the bell. And and the game went to everything you wanted to. It stopped at the one-yard line. Oh, 
Hey, shout out to the Chanticleers, though, because they were picked to finish, like, fifth in the CUSA. And now look at them. I mean, those mullets have really sparked something. Hey, go on with their bad selves. So uh, the Tigers, you know, had a tough loss to Tulane. You know, every indication that, that I've seen says that Tulane's quarterback played the best game of his entire career and some. Um, I think he looked great. I think he looked, you know, like a, a really good quarterback. But I haven't seen Tulane enough to tell you if that's the case or if he just had a really, really good game. What I what I can tell you is that the the game itself ended up not mattering as much because whether Memphis would have won the game or not, Tulsa ended up winning the game, which winning their game at Navy, which made you know Memphis's outside slim chances of being a in the American Conference Championship, you know, none. So um, I'm just hoping that Memphis puts it together and, you know, ends the season on a positive note. I mean, I, I'm all for a, a Gasparilla Bowl bid where they come down to Tampa. I'll do my best to scoop up a ticket because Raymond James is going to have fans in that, in that uh, stadium. So I'll, I'll try to scoop up a ticket to that. Hey, show. I saw one today that had him in the Birmingham Bowl against the Tennessee Volunteers. I mean, I wouldn't go to Birmingham for nothing, but I would yeah. go to Randy Jower's house to watch it on that on that projection screen. That's right. Come on in, baby. So, Randy, I mean, Daniel, interesting note. While y'all were talking, I went back and looked at something in, in regards to Coastal Carolina. Um, I don't know how they got 12 games. Um but they do, and because uh, Louisiana uh, Lafayette won, uh, they are ranked 17, and so they have another top 20 game left they could win to um, help their case. Um, so undoubtedly, I think in regards to y'all's question, not the top four, but obviously the Cincinnati question, um, I think if you beat number 17, then you absolutely have to jump them, correct? Um, yeah, and unless you're saying that a, a win over UCF, Memphis, and, well, Tulsa's ranked in the top 25, so Cincinnati plays them this weekend, so if they beat them, that's, uh, you would say that those three wins are are better than the, uh, the wins of, of Coastal Carolina, but I, I don't, on paper, no, I don't. I don't think that's true. I think Coastal Carolina's wins are, are better. So this, this week's games, we got Texas A&M versus Ole Miss. Kind of an intriguing game. Jim, you've been bashing the Aggies all year, saying they're, they're trash, they're not that good. Is Ole Miss going to do something to them? Uh, they won't be doing anything at all because it's postponed. Oh, man. On whose part? I don't know, but I was looking at the slate, and there it is in big bold letters, postponed. So probably Texas A&M because they know they're trash. Yeah. <laughs> so what about LSU? LSU, they got to get a chance to play Florida? Yeah, and it's going to be uh, – you know, uh, I subjected myself to Alabama this past week. Why not go ahead and subject myself? This. Why do they keep giving us the ESPN marquee game, knowing what's going to happen? Yeah, defend the champs. 
24-point spread, and last week, 29. Well, look on that on that page and tell me what game is any better. Michigan, Ohio State, North Carolina, Miami, Wisconsin, Iowa, Washington, Oregon, Cincinnati, Tulsa. There is actually six ranked matchups this weekend. Nope. I'd rather watch <laughs> LSU get destroyed. You're so full of crap, man. All right, Randy. Tulsa, Cincinnati. Who are you taking? The Bearcats. Bearcats big. I mean, they're tough. That defense is tough. And on top of that, they – Ritter is just – he's phenomenal. I mean, he's let's tough. just say he, he's, he does everything Lamar Jackson can do. <laughs> so, Ohio State, Jim, Michigan. Has Michigan got it in them? Would this be the year that Michigan beats Ohio State? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it would be. It would be, like the, it, it, it would be where everybody could say it would be so 2020, right? But like, I don't see a chance, dude. I think it is going to be absolute bloodbath. But yes, it would be if that happened. Officially, 2020 is just off the charts. Randy, if Michigan beats Ohio State, is that enough to keep uh, Jim Harbaugh to keep his job? Absolutely. I mean, it's not going to happen, but it's absolutely enough to keep him his job. All right, so we got Jim. We got Bama and Arkansas. I know Arkansas has been an intriguing team, you know, a couple times this season. Is is Arkansas got it in them to do anything special against Bama, or is Bama just going to put up another forty spot and roll on to the next week? Um, this could be your classic look ahead game, right? I mean, because this is uh, Bama's last game. Yeah, correct. I had to make sure. Um, so you hope that they. Don't get caught looking ahead to the SEC championship. Nick Saban's the kind of coach that doesn't let that happen, but there is always potential, and you're going to have Arkansas who, um, you know, have had an inspired season for, you know, what they're used to. So expect Arkansas to give their best shot, and Alabama better be ready for it. Randy, is there any way in hell Arkansas can beat Alabama? No way. No, not at all. No. Not not a chance. Um, even even though I I I I get what you're saying, Jim, and, and you know, if it were any other team, I would probably be like, yeah, that's that's a, a possibility. Oh, same. But well, and the thing is, the team that's usually that last game that catches them slipping is Auburn, who who is just a thorn in their side. Arkansas is not that team. Yeah. All right, guys. So we got predictions. So Jim, I'll start with you. Two and two and nine is your record. You had a loss. You picked um, you picked Auburn to beat A and M, which didn't happen because you're just on that trash A and M wagon this whole year. So who you got this week? <laughs> can I pick a favorite yet so I can get a win? <laughs> no favorites. I mean, now it's just comical. We just. You might as well pick. You got to pick double-digit dogs. That's DB's rule by proxy. Double-digit dog, huh? All right. Well, then, give me – Remember that, t- that time that Troy beat that one team? Yeah, I remember. All right. I mean, I'm gonna lose anyway. So why? I mean, you tell me I gotta take a double-digit dog. Gotta take a risk. 
Give me Tulsa. All right. Tulsa. I don't even believe that, but I'm going to pick it. This is your fault, Randy. Damn it. I don't know no, why. That's, that's DB's fault. All right, Randy, your your record is finally you are, are below 500. You're three and four. You picked your team to be Florida. Ridiculous. Which, which didn't happen. So who are you taking this week? Stone Cold, lead pipe lock. Give me Missouri over Georgia. Oh, ooh. Mizzou over Georgia. So for me, my record sits at three and eight. Um, you know, I was originally going to take North Carolina over Miami, but I don't think Randy's going to let me take a three and a half point dog. No. So he's going to make me me up up the ante a little bit. Uh, hmm. Last week I picked West Virginia and they they really shit the bet. I picked them to beat Iowa State and Iowa State just beat the brakes off them. So give me Illinois over Northwestern. Fighting Illini. So guys, last call. Jim, what did we miss? Well, <clears throat> one Russell Westbrook is a Washington wizard. And even more so, what's just disturbing has thrown me off seeing the pictures. It isn't even the jersey he's wearing, but the number. I don't know how I'm going to get used to him wearing the number four, man. Like, so I got to see him in a new uniform for a second consecutive season, then a new number. But let's go to the positive note. I do like the idea of him and Bradley Beal together. I think that's a great combo. Um, Bradley Beal has talked about he's excited about it. Uh, Westbrook shows up two hours early to the first day of practice um, to throw one bad news in there. I looked at the rest of the roster, and, um, yeah, that's a problem. So, so uh, there'll be a fun one-two punch. Um, maybe make, you know, the playoffs in the East unless, you know, they pick up something from here and there. But Westbrook's on the move. And as y'all know, I'm ride or die. I will go with him to any team. And uh, that's it. Um, I do want to add in something that I did not have planned in this show, guys. So, you know, we had Trey Washington on here. And he plays in Alabama in 7A football. Did either of you, by chance, see what happened in the state title game, 7A Alabama? No? No. All right. So. Was it, was it, they were down nine or 10 with like a minute left? I I did see it, but I want you to tell the story. So Auburn is, uh, ironically, the team's Auburn in Alabama. But they are up nine with 26 seconds left. Now, keep in mind that the reason that they are punting is because when they went to take their knee every time, they did it from a shotgun formation, and the quarterback would walk backwards about five yards and take a knee. So that was a whole interesting dynamic within itself. So he, they managed to back themselves up enough to where they would even be punting versus, I don't know, kicking a field goal or even going for it, whatever. 
And so 26 seconds left, they block the punt, recover it, take it for a touchdown. Um, then they get the onside. And then here's the crazy thing. Y'all got y'all guys know I do the ref rant. Well, a PI was called that got Thompson in position to kick the game winning field goal. And it was a clear as day pass interference. But here's here's the thing, guys. There was no reason for it. The corner was slightly beat, but the safety was right there. He could have picked the damn ball off, and the corner decides he's going to grab the the wide receiver and pull him down. And so, needless to say, they kicked the field goal, and it was real interesting, Randy, because they had showed the players prior to all that going down, and there were players from Thompson already on the sideline crying and stuff, right? Season was over. It was done. And then this happens. Like I don't even want. I don't even know what the emotions would be like. But I found that whole story to be interesting, especially considering we talked to Trey Washington, and that's the league which he plays in, and those are teams that he played against. Randy, last call. What did we miss? The joke that continues to be the NBA and the Memphis Grizzlies once again disrespecting us. The uh, you know, and I understand Lakers, Celtics, Warriors, Nets, Bucks, Clippers. I even get the Heat, but to have the New Orleans Pelicans with the guy that did not win Rookie of the Year, they have 14 nationally televised games, and the Memphis Grizzlies have three guys. Remind me again, who won Rookie of the Year? That that guy, Ja oh, Ja Morant, Ja Raffi, and I think. That it's just uh, the young, I think it's going to be a budding rivalry for years to come, and this is just going to put more fuel to the fire and add the Memphis versus everybody motto, the slogan. John Moran has already responded on Twitter with the crying, laughing face, so he's got a bigger chip on his shoulder. And don't think that every Pelicans game won't be circled even bigger on his calendar. Let me ask you this: Is the Grizzlies Pelicans one of the nationally televised games? I don't know. No, it better not. That would really yeah, be that would, an injury. Yeah, that would. All right, so for Probably me. the Lakers. Yeah. So, for me, last call. We got a couple. Alex Smith did his thing. He beat an undefeated Steelers team tonight. I wouldn't say just him, but the Washington Football Club, you know, gave the Steelers their first loss. Alex Smith is – I'm not saying he's an old – you know, old form, but he's looking good, very confident, and it's just good to see him him being successful and doing well. Second thing, you guys know I'm a wrestling fan. You know I'm a WWE fan. Um, there's a guy by the name of Pat Patterson. He passed away, so I want to give a, a shout-out to Pat Patterson. The reason this is important is because not only was he the first openly gay WWE superstar, he was a guy that created my – my favorite pay-per-view event, which is the Royal Rumble. It's probably one of the most famous and notorious ones. Um, you know, they end up having a lot of superstars come back, a lot of, you know, new guys, but it's always fun. It's one as a kid growing up, I, I enjoyed watching. It was fun to watch and, you know, super exciting. So um, rest in peace, Pat Patterson, first ever Intercontinental Champion, you know, definitely going to be missed. So with that, let's jump out of headlines and let's move into Randy. Let's move into your riches, brother. Make us rich. A lot of talk has been about the NFL and around COVID and why they're so willing to 
uh, risk, exposure, and just still play these games. We've talked about it. Money's obviously the biggest driver, but I want to dive in to what that means. Revenue at risk is something I talk about in my daily life, my business life. And so the NFL has quantified that they have 16 billion reasons to carry on amid the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, a lot of people don't know, the majority of the teams minus Green Bay Packers are privately owned businesses. So a large portion of every team, they're like their individual businesses that make up one, they make up the shield. So the Cowboys obviously are always the league leader in lead generated revenue, $950 million last year. 650 of that was locally generated, you know, so that's, that's just huge for the local economies, the teams around it. Uh, on that list, for me at least, was the Raiders. They were dead last, only 77, so that's a huge difference. However, this is where it gets interesting. There was $9.5 billion in shared revenue. So national revenue comes into play. That's what the NFL is fighting the hardest to maintain. It's on your TV revenues, broadcasting partners, CBS, NBC, ABC, ESPN, Amazon, and Verizon. So the Wall Street Journal reported that in 2019, the NFL games generated $4.94 billion in advertising. So we're not just talking about broadcasting. We're talking about the advertising revenue for the likes of Pizza Hut. They get to be the official brand, even though their pizza sucks. So streaming rights to the NFL Sunday ticket. Shout out to Big Al for giving me the login a couple weeks ago. And the NFL has shown consistent growth year over year. So we're not talking a little bit. We're talking 9.5 billion in shared revenue. And we know that because the Green Bay Packers are a publicly owned team and that's what they got. And they all get an equal split of the pie. So you can be the Raiders at 77. That's all you're generating. You're still going to get 9.5 billion, your share of the shared revenue billion with a B. So as long as the games keep being played and broadcast on TV, that's where the revenue is largely generated. And that is why the NFL is jumping through all these hoops, logistic hoops, postponing every game, and amping up its COVID-19 talk as well because they want to look like they're woke. But at the end of the day, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. It's all about the Benjamins. Wow. All right, Jim. What's your rant? Got to blow that whistle. Who you got? Oh, I've waited for this because I'm going to throw you guys a curveball. I'm going to praise the officials. So, you know, I pride myself on being right, especially when everyone else is wrong. And it just so happened to be that me and the officials were in the same place on this. And during that Alabama LSU curb stomping, um, I watched everybody in the world blow up on the officials saying that, they don't know how to do their job because they gave LSU a touchdown when Boutte was running into the end zone and he made the inexplicable, inexcusable error of dropping the ball before he goes in the end zone. I still don't know how players do that. But they kept it a touchdown on the field, and you can ask my wife, as I said in real time, I said, an LSU player picked it up. That's why it's still a touchdown. But, no, everybody in the world said they feel bad for LSU. They're giving them a free touchdown. That was a bad call. The refs don't know how to do their job. Call SEC officiating. Well, sure enough, 10 minutes later on the broadcast, Gene Steratore of all people, Daniel Ball, you know who that guy is, right? That's your he, birthday, buddy. Yeah, that's my birthday, buddy. Daniel sent me a video with him talking trash to me. That was good, it was good times. But uh, 
sure enough, they came back, showed video evidence. Kirkland jumped right on that ball, and that's why it was still touchdown. So shout out to the referees for getting one right. I'll say this, referees, write this date down in history because it'll never happen again. Because next week, I guarantee you, there'll be 40 times throughout the course of a day where Jim's going to text us about that. Well, well, guys, let me ask you real quick, because I didn't get to watch the Memphis game and, you know, hope uh, Brady doesn't listen to the second half of this episode. What were y'all texting me about was an easy referent call? It was a targeting call. Uh, Mashburn basically was going low to the ground, and I thought he was leading with his shoulder trying to get under a guy to tackle him, and the guy went just as low as he did, and they called him for targeting and ejected him from the game. But then there happened to be, like, another uh, clear cut targeting call on Tulane that was called. Um, It just didn't look right because Calvin Austin, I think it was Calvin Austin they were throwing to, who, by the way, just got absolutely crushed the whole game. Like, he was getting big hit after big hit. But, anyhow, he, he, it was an incomplete pass where the the defender dropped his helmet and led, and, and he got ejected and disqualified, too. So, no makeup I, calls. Terrible. Refs, you suck. <laughs> I, gave you, I gave you all my segment this week. So, for me, um, before we get out of here, I'll give my That's What's Up award, and it's going to go to Tut High School in Texas. So, you're like, well, what did these guys do? Well, I'll tell you what, what they did. They're a low socioeconomic area, a uh, school that has a lot of, of families in need. So, the school was giving a lot to the families and giving a lot for free and asking for nothing in return, and they felt as though, like, they weren't teaching appreciation for that. So now they've decided, and this was student generated, that they got some donations from some ministries, some donations from the local grocery stores, and they have inside their school a convenience store that's, I mean, it's pretty big size. Um, And kids can go buy groceries during the holidays for their families, and they pay for it by good deeds. So every good deed gets a point. Everything in the store is has a value of points. They turn in their sheet of points um, like a credit card, and they just deduct the points uh, based on what they purchase. And you know that that's all they ask for return is that you just do good deeds. So you know it's pretty. You know I thought it was a cool way to to show appreciation and to you know have kids earn something and not just getting anything for nothing, but you know also to teach them positive message so shout out to tut high school that's what's up i want to add one thing to your that's what's up because i just i I scrolled across this earlier gaffiar everybody knows him from diners drive-ins and dives since this pandemic has happened we know that there's been a whole lot of restaurant workers out of business he has raised 21.5 million for unemployed restaurant workers and that number just keeps going up it's up and up and up and up so the the actual tweet that i saw today was that that means that gaffieri has done more for unemployed restaurant workers than Congress has in the last eight months. So, Gaffieri, that's what's up. That's what's up, man, because I like my diners, drive-ins, too. So, come on with your best. Hey, as a, as a resident, of, you know, a guest on the show of diners, drive-ins, and dives, shout out. They know talent when they see it. That's right. 
Well, guys, we had a, a long night, but a very good night. We had a, a, a great time with our guest tonight, Brady White. Um, you know, it's a personal connection that, you know, I feel like we can share being from the city of Memphis and just being around the community and the, the teams growing up. So I, I appreciate having Brady on. I thank him. I wish him the absolute best over the rest of the season. And, man, go get some study in there and get that doctorate. You know, big things on deck for you. So if you like hearing us average shows talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, your comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We will see everyone next week when we are going to be talking to Ben Cope, who plays for the Milwaukee Power, a professional hockey organization in the North American Hockey League. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.